Hey guys, welcome to the F1 Girls. I'm Amy. And I'm Rihanna. And today we have got a special guest with us. Uh, yeah, hi, I'm Harry. Uh, thank you very much for having me. Uh, I've, uh, I've been watching Formula One for as long as I can remember, really. Long-time fan, favourite driver has always been Fernando Alonso for reference. Uh, <laughs> although he's been doing pretty dire this year, but we'll skim over that. So yeah, thank you, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's, it's nice to have a, a new perspective, I think. Just throw another opinion in the mix, which definitely be beneficial for this episode won't it Amy? Yeah definitely so today we're going to be talking about two of the drivers we have Daniel Ricciardo and we have Orlando Norris so we'll start with like a brief sort of introduction to the drivers if you are newer to F1 or just don't really know much about them so should we start with Lando? Yeah so Lando is definitely one of the newbies to the sport he made his debut in 2018 Um, he was I think uh, assigned as a uh, into the McLaren, you know, training system 2017. Um, and I suppose, unfortunately, yeah, he hasn't the last year, obviously the pandemic, he hasn't really had that many normal seasons, but definitely from his performance so far, he has definitely been showing us that he has a lot of skill and a lot of talent. Yeah. So he's also one of the youngest drivers that we've got. He is currently 21. He is a British Belgian driver. I thought he was just British to be quite honest with you. <laughs> Um, and he has currently got three podiums now in F1. Yeah, wow. That that flies by, doesn't it? <laughs> I know. Um, and he's been in 42 of the races. Yeah, so obviously, like you said, yeah, Lando, um, he was made, uh, I mean, he was he was made McLaren's um, official reserve in test drive in 2018 and then made his made his race debut in, in 2019. And I mean, we, we could all see from the offset that he had tremendous speed um, and was almost almost like a bit of a a, a a modern day Lewis Hamilton in the way that he, he came straight into McLaren. Granted, you know, they didn't have a fantastic car in 2019, but uh, since they've had Zach Brown at the helm, um, they, they've been slowly moving their way up, up the grid uh, to where we are now in 2021, where, you know, they've been fighting for podiums. Uh, you know, Lando's had a, an amazing career so far. 2020 was great. I think, did he get two podiums in 2020? I can't quite remember, but I mean, the start to this season has just been absolutely blinding for him. He's third in the championship. He's ahead of Bottas. Okay, Bottas has had a bit of a dire season so far, but Lando is just absolutely storming at the moment. And uh, and, and Monaco prove that. Yeah, 100%. I think it's also nice to see that Lando's almost grown with McLaren. So obviously when he, like you said, he joined when it wasn't going so well for them. Obviously he's He's been in with the team quite a few years now and he his talent has grown with the team getting a more and more competitive car soon and it's definitely working for them both, having them working together. And yeah, it's just looking like a really bright future for both McLaren and Lando at the moment. Yeah, totally. I mean, he, he, he joined off the back of Alonso leaving. Uh, the team was in a, in a bit of a state at the time. Uh, they had, they, they'd had their, you know, pretty dire time with Honda uh, and the, the, the wasn't quite a fairy tale ending there when Honda ended up leaving because their relationship was so bad. So we came into a team that really needed a bit of a pickup. And obviously him and Carlos were brought in for 2019 uh, when Stoffel van Dorn was also let go. And I think their relationship was really instrumental in bringing the team back to where it is now, uh, Lando and Carlos, because they got on so well, you know, drive to survive would have you think that they were at each other's throats. But that was never the case. So yeah, and he's just signed... He's just signed, is it until 2024 or something like that? He's just signed a new contract. Um, he's dedicated to the team. And I think at the moment, I think he's leading that team. Um, he, he is, although they wouldn't admit it, I think he's the number one driver in that team at the moment. Um, and, and he's really leading their charge. 
back to the front of the grid. Yeah, definitely. So that moves us uh, quite nicely on to the newbie of the McLaren team, Daniel Ricciardo. I'm so glad we're doing an episode on both of them too, because I think definitely them two are a favourite for me and Amy. So this is a really nice episode just to chat about, uh, not that we're biased, but like uh, I want to kind of see our two favourite people. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well... If that's the case, have you got much uh, much you can say about Daniel this season, about his performance? <laughs> we're patient people. We're patient people, okay? We're willing to wait for Daniel to pull through. <laughs> yeah, we are I mean, so, hoping and praying, like, the entire time. <laughs> I mean, so so what do you think? I mean, obviously, Monaco is the most recent, and that, that did not go very well for Daniel. Do you think he's in a bad, you know, bad spot? I mean, I mean if we, we could we step back slightly... You know, this is Daniel's 10th, or even 11th, 10th year in Formula One, 11th year in Formula One. You know, unlike Lando, who came in straight into the McLaren team, okay, they weren't, you know, race winners at that point. But hes I, I'd never say Lando's been in an overly uncompetitive car. Whereas Daniel, he came in in 2011 for HRT, was at the back of the grid. He went to Toro, not, you know, not because of his own fault, just because the car was awful. He went to Toro Rosso for a few years, proved his worth. Eventually made it to Red Bull, absolutely walked all over Vettel, won three races in his first year with Red Bull. Um, and then Max joined and it all went a bit downhill. And he's joined McLaren, you know, in a hope to sort of rejuvenate his his career, obviously after a short spell at Renault. And it's just not really working. Do you, do you think he's lost his mojo or do you think he's in a bad place? I almost think that the decision to leave Red Bull was just kind of a, not a little bit the start of something else because he... That car was the second best on the grid after Mercedes. And it was, although, yes, he didn't like being with Max as a teammate and they knew that he that Red Bull were favouring Max a little bit and he didn't want to stick around for that. But the move to Renault, I just think, was such a waste of however many years, two, three years for him. When he, because like I said, he's, he's coming into his 10th year now. He really hasn't got any more time to waste because obviously there's a sell-by date on how long you can be an F1 driver. And the fact that he wasted those years at Renault thinking that they'd have a car that could win podiums. And yeah, he did get some podiums, but not enough that we know he can do. And it's a shame that he's hasn't been able to step that up at McLaren. And actually, because obviously Lando's proven that the McLaren car can win podiums. And it's just heartbreaking to see him not actually get any <laughs> yeah I think really it's his driving strategies just aren't fitting with the car and it's really frustrating to watch because we all know he's an incredibly talented driver and he has done so well in previous teams and it's I think they just need to work together a lot more to be able to sort of adapt his driving strategy to the way the car works yeah, I, I, I think I think you're you're definitely right. He, he's just really not gelling with this car this year properly. But you know, it's actually you know going off a little bit of a tangent. That actually seems to be a bit of a theme this year. I mean, you look at uh, Alonso, you look at Vettel, you look at Ricardo. All three have moved into new teams this year, and none of them are really settling in with their cars properly. So whether that's something to do with the regulation changes or something, it's hard to tell. But I think you're right, and I can't remember who it was. It was one of the um, senior members of McLaren literally came out and said this car does not suit Daniel's driving style. But, you know, I would argue, surely if you're going to be a top-tier driver, you need to adapt to different cars. And at the moment, Daniel isn't doing that. Um, 
how much longer i mean you know, he hasn't done diabolically he scored race he scored points in the first three races you know mclaren were the only team to do that in the first three races of this season but mclaren um monaco he was just so off the pace it you know what is going wrong there and can he turn it around and if he can't how long how long can he stay as he is now yeah i, I almost that almost poses the question because obviously we know definitively that Red Bull were gearing their car more towards Max and his driving style. Uh, do you think we're seeing that happen across all the teams? They choose number one driver. The number one driver tends to be young because that's the kind of the trend that the teams are going with at the moment. Are the teams making the car to suit the number one younger driver? And that almost makes the second seat impossible for whoever else takes it, which is usually, usually, well, as you can see, a more experienced driver, Alonso Vettel, Ricardo it's then very hard to carve them to drive because it's not geared around them. It's And then that second seat then, like I said, is almost always cursed because they can't keep up. I don't know. What do you guys think on that opinion? Mm, I think it opens a whole can of worms that we probably just don't even have the time to go into right now. But <laughs> um, yeah, I definitely think that at the minute, a lot of teams are just sort of, picking one driver and sculpting the car around the way that they work and like you say it's it seems to be the younger drivers and not the more experienced ones just seem to be sort of like pushed to the side almost I think uh, uh, yeah I, th- I think you're right I think I think yeah definitely to a degree I mean you know let's take for example when Charles went to Ferrari when he first went to Ferrari in in, in 2019 Ferrari were very adamant that Vettel was their number one driver for that season. Um, they asked Charles to move over in the first race of 2019 to let Vettel pass. And very quickly, it became apparent that Charles was much quicker. And now look at them. You know, Ferrari is Charles's team. The car is around him. He's leading that team like, like nothing else. And, and are we seeing that with McLaren? Because Lando has been with them, this is his third year with them now, is he so instrumental in the team that actually they've almost shot themselves in the foot He's so instrumental in the team. They've really built everything around him that actually they're now struggling to have a, a second driver perform. Is that like, you know, like Red Bull? You know, we know Red Bull have been like that for years, you know, really clear number one, number two driver. Um, are they falling into that trap of, of having a lead driver that's sacrificing their second driver? Mm, and it, that kind of argument, I know this is a driver episode on the Norris and Ricardo, but that kind of wants me to give a little bit more credit to Bottas because he can actually, or I suppose this this year, he's been unlucky with some instances and he hasn't performed as well as he wanted to, but the past two years, he's been usually on a podium, if not second. Does that, if I don't know if Mercedes build their car around Lewis. I mean, they probably would because obviously they know he's consistent. They know he can win. But that doesn't that show some good adaptability from Bottas to be able to take that second seat and drive in a car that probably is suited to Hamilton's star. I suppose we could probably give more credit to the number two drivers who are actually making it work because because seeing a lot of people who aren't making it work in that sense. Yeah, I, I, I mean, yeah, I definitely. So. I mean, obviously, you know, this is all conjecture. It's all theoretical. You know, it's, it's impossible unless you're within the team to really know if they are building the, the car around one driver. But I mean, your point about Bottas, you know, that that's true. He's really, you know, try, you know doing his best if that is the case. Um, but if anything, that just highlights that Ricardo isn't stepping up to the mark. Um, but I mean, so so moving on from the fact that you know we've, we've we've looked at how they've performing within the team. Do you think 
where do you think this is going to go? Ricardo came to McLaren. He's, you know, he's in his 10th or 11th year in Formula One. In that time, in their first 10 years, Vettel had won four championships in his first, within his first 10 years. Lewis had one. Alonso had two. I think, I'm pretty sure Schumacher had two within his first 10 years. Ricardo, how old is he now? Is he 32, I think? Something 32, like that. Things like that. He's not old, but in Formula One terms, he's starting to... If he's going to win a championship, he needs to get on it. And he's come to McLaren to do that. And it's, it's not really working. Do you think this relationship with the team and even with Lando is going to explode at some point? Amy, what, what do you think? I don't know. It's a difficult one because he is literally one of my favourite drivers and I don't want to say anything <laughs> bad about him. <laughs> but like, like you say, the performance so far like with the team just hasn't been there and it, it just makes me wonder whether it was the right move for him and whether he actually should have gone elsewhere or should have stayed with Renault like I just don't know I think what's kind of more worrying is because Ricardo has started to jump around teams if it doesn't really work out at McLaren it probably won't really work out at all this is kind of his last competitive cast up I reckon until so he has to kind of make this work if he doesn't make this work maybe he'd go down to like a lower team because if he doesn't make it work at McLaren he didn't really make it work at Renault I'm worried that he would probably either just leave and go into a different form of racing or he might just trickle down but I feel like this would be his last chance so if he literally if he doesn't make this work at McLaren he's not going to make it work at all which is scary because obviously he's not doing very well so hopefully he can get it get his arse in gear and actually start making it work for him yeah like ideally he will be at rent he will be at mclaren and he will be he will win a championship but i don't think that's going to happen with the performance that we've seen so far and like i say it's kind of his last chance saloon and he really needs to make this work otherwise I feel like that's just going to be almost like the end of his career in F1. Mm, yeah. I think, I, I think, I think Rhi, you made a good point about, you know, jumping between teams. I mean, you know, he for, for someone who's only been in Formula, well, I say only, you know, he's been in Formula 1 10 odd years, but he's, he's raced for four, four different, uh, five different teams now, which is, you know, considering Lewis has only ever raced for two teams in the time he's been in Formula 1, McLaren and Mercedes. Um you know, Ricardo's been in a lot of different teams, which you would think would give him tremendous experience, but it doesn't seem to be paying off. I think I think he was committed to Red Bull. He definitely was. Um, and then Max came in, and then we saw how that went. And I think, you know, Red Bull were making Max their number one driver. And then he went to Renault. And do you remember how, when when he made that decision to leave Renault, do you remember when the, the team principal, I can't pronounce his name, so I won't even try, but he came out and he, he sort of slated Daniel quite a lot for leaving the team. And he was sort of saying, I thought we were going to build a team with Daniel. You know, this was going to be a team effort. He was going to lead the team. And then he just left. I almost think, although whether going to Renault in the first place, whether that was a good idea or not, it's hard to tell. But I think jumping ship from Renault so soon when he was, they were really trying to build the team around him. I think that could have been, okay, they're not not doing amazingly this year, but I don't know. I don't know if that was the right decision to make for him. No, I, I definitely think that going to Renault was a mistake. I feel like maybe because him and Max hadn't been teammates for like, well, they, they, kind of, they kind of had been teammates for a little while, but I, I still think he could have been at Red Bull for a couple more years. And if they were heavily and obviously favouring Max, then of course 
that would happen. But when he left, he they were favouring Max, but not enough for it to really affect his performance and his ability to win races and championships. So, yeah, I think he definitely jumped the gun a bit too early with the moving and the choice of where he moved, I think, was very stupid. <laughs> yeah, I definitely I mean, think that when he's been moving, it's been very, like, making a snap decision and yeah. I feel like it hasn't been as thought through as it probably should have been um, and I think if he had a thought it through a lot more then it, it wouldn't be it, he wouldn't be in the situation he's in now Yeah, no, I understand I, I, I definitely get the impression that with the McLaren move, you know, obviously it was um, uh, it was Carlos sort of going to, to Ferrari that, that triggered well Vettel leaving Ferrari and Carlos going to Ferrari that sort of triggered everything else and I think the seat that McLaren came up and Daniel just thought I can't not take this but in hindsight I think it was a bit of a snap um snap decision well there were rumors that it was either Carlos or Ricardo for the Ferrari seat I wonder why mm. they didn't I know Carlos has made me consistent or and is good in both wet and dry so obviously Carlos would be a good move, but I yeah, I kind of do wonder why they didn't they didn't choose Ricardo because he is had a lot more success than Carlos has. So I, I wonder what the thought process was behind that. I, I do have a slight theory behind that. I think personally think it was because um Ferrari did not want another Charles and Seb situation. Um I mean if you remember it's 2019. You know, Brazil, Brazil 2019, when Seb and, and Charles crashed into each other um, and everyone was, you know, Ferrari, you know, going mental and they were always at each other's throats. I think, I'm not saying Carlos can't compete with Charles, but they saw how Carlos and Lando got on at McLaren. He's quite a, you know, a, a, a pliable person in a sense that he gets on, you know, I'm sure in the in the cockpit, in the, in the cockpit he's very, you know, aggressive, but, you know, he's a very nice person. He gets on with his teammates well. I don't think they wanted Daniel in that second Ferrari seat because they didn't want him and Charles to end up potentially at each other's throats. Um, I think that's why they went for Carlos in the end. Um, yeah, I suppose that moves us on to talking of teammates, how Daniel and Lando are together because everyone was really, really excited. I know the hype on social media, like, oh, this is going to be so funny, Daniel and, and Lando together and it kind of not almost taking it seriously. And I think that kind of got under their skin a little bit, didn't it, Amy? Yeah, I mean, I was very excited to see them two together because of like the banter they've had between each other like previously, and the just the way they have been together. Where like, when you've seen them in pre press conferences and interviews and stuff like that, but I feel like yeah, like you said, that the almost like the expectation of them to be funny all the time and to just be like making jokes and stuff just got too much and it's kind of just affected their relationship. Like they just, they feel like, especially in the car livery um, launch, they, it felt so awkward between them. And I just, it was just uncomfortable to watch. That's, that's, that's a really interesting point. I didn't actually see the unveiling. Why, why, why was it awkward between them? Were they just not interacting or? It just, it felt like they were trying to be like forcefully funny rather than yeah. how they were previously when it was, like they just sort of naturally were quite banterous with each other. It's they it just felt forced. Mm. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. I have to, I'll have to watch that. Um, I, you know, I think 
I think you're 100% right. Um, you know, Daniel and Lando individually are two of the funniest, most entertaining people on the grid. Everyone loves them. I don't think they've got a single hater between them. Everyone loves them. But you're completely right. The hype about them coming together, did it did it overhype it? Is it but a bit much to it? But I think what, what's going to be really interesting is when Carlos and Lando were at McLaren together, they were both relatively new into the sport. Carlos was a bit more experienced, but they were both just trying to do as best as they could. They were both trying to get podiums. They were both trying to push the team forward. The dynamic is different now. Ricardo, he is there to win a championship. He's there to win races. He is there to get everything out of it he can. And if that doesn't materialise this season, you know, obviously it's not going to happen this season, but if it doesn't materialise um, in the next couple of seasons, or, or at least he can see that it isn't going to happen, will the dynamic change? Will there be a bit of tension, especially if Lando continues his run of success that he's got at the moment? If he absolutely walks all over Ricardo for the rest of the season... Is, is tension going to build? Are they actually going to become a bit, you know, hard? Because you look at look at Max and Max and Ricardo, you know, when they first started together at Red Bull, when Max came in, they were quite banterous and they were laughing. Da, da, da. As soon as there was a bit of competition between them, it boiled over pretty quickly to an extent where one of them had to leave. Do you think that could happen in McLaren? Well, I, th- I kind of think the reason that um, Lando and Carlos got on so well was because um, Lando wasn't really challenging like Carlos they weren't really getting in each other's way and I think that allowed them to have a really nice relationship they'd be happy for each other when the strategy works in their favor kind of thing but they never really stepped on each other's toes a lot now I feel like with Daniel and Lando Lando knows everything that we know he knows that he's come here to win championship he's come here to win and he's come here to beat Lando and obviously that's not going to look good on Lando although he's relatively new he has been in the team for coming on his third year so he can't really let um, Daniel completely walk all over him. So I think because they know each other want to win so bad and that there's no kind of like a, a first driver, second driver really at the beginning, I feel like because they know they're in direct competition, they aren't forgetting that. And that's probably why they haven't got as a friendly, close relationship as they did either before or I don't know what they're like. Well, to be fair, didn't um, Lando say that he didn't really talk to... Daniel before he came to Karen. That's I found that kind of weird because obviously, yeah, you see them having fun at press conferences, but yeah, I suppose if if they don't really know each other very well and they're coming into where they're being direct competition, they're not gonna really hit it off the way we'd want them to. Yeah, I think it's more a case of obviously Daniel's the new person in the team and he's like really adamant that he wants to win and um Lando just sort of can't really let him because he's been there for so long and it's almost like he has to prove that he is better than Daniel. And I think that will cause tension, a lot of tension. I know if it was me and someone was doing that, I'd get really, really wound up about it. So I can imagine how Daniel's feeling. Yeah. And I mean, if we look at um, Monaco, when, you know, Lando laps Ricardo, which that in itself, you could have an entire podcast to that interaction itself. Um so, you know, when Lando put his hand up as a, a thank you when he overtook, when he, when he lapped Ricardo, when he mm. lapped Ricardo and he, he put his hand up as like a thanks. And then obviously social media blew up with, you know, was Lando taking the piss? Was Lando trying to like patronise him and insult him by putting his hand up? Da, 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 da. You know, the fact that people immediately jumped to that conclusion, to me, that was blatantly obvious. It was just, a, you know, thanks for getting out of the way. 
little bit awkward that you're doing pretty crap this race but you know thanks for getting out of the way sort of thing and it was very friendly but everyone immediately jumped onto like you know there's beef between them you know is, is, is that foreboding on on what might come in the future or you know do you think people just blew it up out of nothing um i mean there's like no real hard evidence that that they are a bit uncomfortable with each other like you can see if you we can make our own like um conclusions but like little things that there's there's no hard evidence that they have a problem with each other so again i just think it's people speculating and i think any thoughts that they do have along those lines they haven't made public to wider fan community or whatever so i think everyone's just kind of everyone likes to stir the pot i guess and yeah they like to do that themselves so we i don't think we will know until one of them actually says some something that blatantly shows that there is actually an issue between them um, but I th- again, I think until we actually see some proper racing between the two of them, because obviously if, if we look at both their performances, Daniel hasn't really been there to challenge Lando or vice versa. So I, we can't, there's them two don't have a reason to slag each other off yet. Really, do they? No, I agree. I agree. I think, um, I mean, you know, if you look at it, I mean, you know, in the first three races, in terms of qualifying, I think Ricard, I think Daniel outqualified Lando at least in two of the first three races but Lando um uh, Lando just had the race base and, and has been in there so um you know I, I you know in the first few races I wouldn't say um Ricardo did diabolically I mean he, he came back um as you know he, he had a pretty bad qualifying in um Imola didn't he but then he came back to ninth um in the end so actually he did a pretty good race there um so it's yeah it's it's a tricky one um see where it's going to go so I mean move, going forward what, what do you think is going to happen? It's really hard to say because until there's any more consistency, because obviously I know we're like we're quite far into season, but we're not so far in to say this is this is an immediate pattern. This is not going to get any better for all for um, Ricardo. But I did hear something interesting on another F1 podcast I was listening to, and they were saying, oh well, on social media you always, you always see Lando. He's at the um, McLaren centre working he's always doing simulation stuff and then you look at Ricardo's story and he's always um, on social media and he's always out running with his personal trainer always doing fun things and it from a completely just like passive perspective it looks like Lando's putting more work in and maybe I don't know maybe that's kind of just a a thing maybe Lando's taking it a bit more seriously to win I know that's completely like up in the air I'm not trying to say (laughs) anything but maybe Lando wants it that bit more and maybe um, Ricardo was um, resting on his laurels a bit because he knows how it more experienced and maybe underestimated Lando now that he's a few races in he's starting to realise maybe I do need to put a little bit more extra effort in I don't know yeah I, I mean I think I think I mean in fairness I think some of that is maybe to do with the fact that Lando lives in Woking which is like 10 minutes down from the factory and Ricardo lives in Australia I think that might have a little bit of an impact on why Lando's at the factory all the time but but no you take no your point seriously I think uh, the resting on his laurels point is really interesting and I think I genuinely think that was probably the case when he came into McLaren um I don't I don't know I don't know if he ever ever underestimated Lando but I think Daniel was probably very confident in his own abilities you know he, he beat Ocon pretty squarely last year uh, when they were at Renault and I think he probably came into this season maybe a little bit too confident in his own abilities and he suddenly had a little bit of a wake-up call especially in, in Monaco. Yeah definitely I think 
Um, Lando seems to this year have this new burst of energy and motivation to actually go out there and win win the races. And I think Daniel sort of almost didn't realise how much Lando actually wanted it and how much work Lando is actually putting into it this year. But then at the same time, it's it's all social media and you pick and choose what you put on social media and it may just be a case of Daniel isn't put, just doesn't want to put the simulation the simulator on his social media and stuff like that. Whereas Lando is very open with it. So I think you just gotta take it with a pinch of salt almost. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, yeah. No, I think you're right. Um you know, you're very right. It's very subjective what they put on social media and stuff. But I think, um, you know, I think none of us can deny Lando is riding a wave at the moment. He's clearly very comfortable. He's very confident. And I can't see anything breaking that wave at the moment. Yeah, I think I think what we can kind of take away from this is until until they become a threat to each other, then we'll actually know who comes out on top because... Until we, hopefully, um, Ricardo will get comfortable with the car. And then when he does, then we'll be able to see who comes out on top. But until then, we, I just don't think we'll know because they have we haven't actually seen them properly race each other and see which way the team goes. I know um, the team asked um, Lando to go ahead of um, Daniel in one of the races. But I think that was just kind of like a technicality kind of thing it wasn't a we're favoring Lando in the situation it was purely in the context of the race but until we actually see them race we'll be able to see who comes out on top of that and what the team does in reaction to that kind of thing so uh, it's just a waiting game really to see what happens um I think, the- I think, yeah I think you're 100% right I mean if, if we look at the, the 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 most fiery team rivalries of the last few years it always sparks with some kind of on-track collision you look at Hamilton and Rosberg, Spain in 2016. You look at um, Stappen and, and Ricardo, Azerbaijan 2018. Was it 2017? I think it was 2018. Um, you look at Perez and Ocon at Force India. You know, the multiple times they came together um, during their time together. And it all, it all, the catalyst for all of these team rivalries is usually are coming together on track. So will we see them come together on track? Maybe, you know, the first thing is, is when will we see them first go wheel to wheel properly? And do I think Daniel will yield? No, definitely not. I think if he's got a chance to battle with Lando, he will grab it with both hands and he will try and do all he can. Um, but then if they do come together, what does that mean? I think uh, I don't think that will go down very well. Okay, so that is everything for this week's episodes, guys. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you, Harry, for being here. Thank you very much for having me. And we will see you next time. Thank you. Bye, everyone.